0: MailChimp Presents. Hey there, friend. I'm Paul Jarvis, and you're listening to Call Paul, Business as Unusual, where we explore how business owners are working their way through their first pandemic.
1: What I'm really trying to do is... Defend the bright corners of the internet and the world. <laughs> and I, I just wish more people would really focus on that.
0: That's Tina Roth Eisenberg, who currently runs a business that's thriving and one that's struggling. She's the founder of Creative Mornings, Tatly, and several other in real life internet companies, including a co working space. While Tina started out as a graphic designer, she shifted to creating businesses that helped other similar-minded folks connect. One of Tina's businesses, Creative Mornings, is based on the premise that magic happens when you get kind, generous, and creative humans together in the same room. This has obviously been challenging since being in the same room is currently out of the question. Another of her businesses is Tatley, a temporary tattoo company that makes realistic to whimsical looking temporary tattoos created by amazing artists. While Tina herself continues to ship individual tattoos, their main driver of revenue, which is large wholesale orders, has stalled out with shuttered retail spaces. Tina, like so many others, is currently working from home, from her bedroom in Brooklyn, not too far from the co-working space she'd usually be working at.
1: Uh, I basically have two floors in this beautiful old factory building in Brooklyn that on the one side is all artists in residence. And on the other side, there's two floors that I run my businesses out of. I kind of hover on two floors and... um, And I I must say, I miss the space so much. I'm very much an extrovert. And because I'm an extrovert, that's where I have the best ideas. That's, you know, over lunch, over a coffee break, walking over to the couches and snuggling with the dogs and then having an impromptu conversation that then usually leads to a good idea for the business. So I thrive on the less structure and more sort of random encounters.
0: Have you been able to replicate that in any way at all right now? Or is that just something that you're missing and hoping to get back to at some point soon?
1: No, I've not been able to replicate it at all. I mean, I always say I'm a feeler. Like I very much kind of read someone's entire body language and the way they move and the way they sit and like I've, I just sometimes feel like I have a few more antennas than other people's do because there's that element missing that you cannot put really put your finger on it's like an energetic read and exchange of humans there's something so unnatural to me to be on all day video calls <laughs>
0: Let's get into um the the business side. What's been different about the businesses that you run as a result of the pandemic over mm-hmm. the last few months?
1: Well, so I run three very different businesses. So one of them is a co-working space which is like very small and very intimate and 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 that one obviously uh, you know, I just had to close the doors because it's just, we have shelter at home right now. Um, so we're not even allo- allowed to have the doors open. So there's that. Then I run Tatley a temporary tattoo company. Our biggest income stream is wholesale, meaning we sell to stores around the world. And the minute the stores closed down to us, that was a, a huge source of income that just dried up. And I did not have a huge cushion. So I had, after a few weeks, I unfortunately had like the most heart-wrenching day of my career, I had to let most of my team go. Um, so that that was really sobering and 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 a really hard day for me. And I've since been just trying to keep tatly alive with online orders. Um, I'm the one going in and literally fulfilling. If somebody would have told me that I'm going to be doing this for three plus months, <laughs> I would have probably lost my mind. That's the second business. And then the third one is I run a global lecture series called Creative Mornings. It's in fact the largest uh, face-to-face creative community around the world in 67 countries. It's a volunteer-run organization. 22,000 people get together every month for a breakfast and a talk, and then it's entirely for free. So of course, when this pandemic hit, all my friends were texting me in all caps and going, OMG, what does this mean for Creative Mornings? But uh, interestingly enough, so I have one company that is really hurting, and that's totally. and I had to let most people go. And then I have this in real life event series, Creative Mornings, that is literally having a pivotal moment in its 12-year history, in that our volunteers, our hosts that run these events around the world, just fearlessly jumped off the cliff and said, we're doing this virtually, (laughs) which to be honest, me as the founder, I've been hesitant, if not even reluctant to do so. And have then attended these events that they put on virtually because, you know, now you can. You know, I attended in Germany and in, in Austin and in in, in Colorado. And, and I'm basically sitting there in tears because I did not believe that you could replicate the magic that is Creative Mornings uh, in, in a virtual digital environment. And they've proven me wrong. And so to me, the past few weeks have been an incredible... Uh, lesson in really trying to pay attention to where am I close minded? Where have I actually not seen opportunities? Because, you know, I'm just not s- soften or open enough to to see that they're there, and uh, to me, I truly believe that for Creative Mornings, this will be like one of the most historic moments in our organization, because our engagement has uh, doubled, if not tripled, over the last uh, two months.
0: Creative Mornings are about building community and and reducing fear. Mm-hmm. Why why are those things important?
1: Creative Mornings sort of started out because when I moved to New York, I grew up in the Swiss countryside, and I moved to New York 20 years ago, after I graduated as a graphic designer, with the dreams of living in New York for three months, and then I never left. But I remember the first year, I was just like, where the heck are my people? And, you know, why are we meeting only amongst graphic designers or photographers? And just like there were so many things I just didn't understand. And also, where are just the kind people? So, I mean, I was super lonely in New York City. I was an extrovert, but I I had a hard time finding my people so eventually a few years later I started Creative Mornings and he was really under the notion of just let's just find really kind generous creative humans and get them in a room and there is just a and I know I sound like a cult leader but if you haven't attended one please do so because or just even virtually now. Um, there is just a kindness and warmth in the air that just makes you realize that there's goodness in the world. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I really feel that's what, what the world needs. People are so fearful. So many people are so scared of like everything of like, you know, not finding a job or not being in the right job or not having friends. I, and especially now it's amplified. And I really do feel like Whenever people go to creative mornings, I always, and and when we had the real life events, I always say when we play play the stand-up game where I say, stand up if you're here alone or if you're here for the first time, I always tell them, come up to me. I want you to know how welcome you are. I will give you a hug afterwards. So afterwards, I have this huge line of people coming up to me, and it's always the same picture. They have their heart on their hand, and they go like, I don't really know what happened, but I feel really good right now, and this was wonderful you know, and I feel filled up. And to me, that's, we just need more events and organizations that just fill you up and make you believe in humanity and that people are here, you know, generously donating their time to put on events for free for their community. And, and the pandemic, I really, really feel like underlines that more than ever that, you know, people are scared.
0: Do you think then that the essence of Creative Mornings has changed, or do you think that the essence has just expanded to include more things?
1: HQ was sort of discussing and talking through this big change, also realizing that this might be for a while now. And and, and, and I'm, I'm honest, I was grieving the fact that you know, in real life events are gone. I mean, I, I founded the organization because I believe in, in real life, in face-to-face connection. Yeah. And then our uh, our COO, Catherine, just very calmly said, but you know what, Tina? Creative Mornings is in the business of connection. And it doesn't matter how we make that happen. And to me, that that was a real pivotal moment and a shift in thinking. Because if you look at it, uh, how we make that happen. There's different offerings we have now. Like So talks don't really work. So they're more now conversational styles in, in Zoom where you can have people ask questions, which is really beautiful in itself. So it's, it feels a bit different, but the warmth is still there and the generosity is still there. And and for example, the one thing that one chapter did is, you know, they said like we can't offer you coffee and breakfast right now, and you can't meet people standing in coffee line. But what we can do is have a pretend coffee line and break you break you out into little breakout rooms, and yeah. then you just pretend you you're standing in line. Um, so I I had to start realizing that at the end of the day, we have a beautiful community that's so open hearted, so kind, so generous, that is creative and wants to meet, and all we have to do is just find ways for them to do so and it doesn't have to be face to face necessarily
0: from an outsider and somebody who doesn't even live in in the us what's happened in new york city since the pandemic hit has been uh scary basically i don't know how else to say it can you describe what the first virtual event there was like given that that's basically the epicenter of Mm. the pandemic
1: like, first of all, our events are usually five to 600 people, which they're already big to begin with.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: I mean, the signups were nuts. We streamed to YouTube Live. So we had, I think, almost 2,000 people uh, participating, which was a new record for, for New York City. And on top of it, we had Priya Parker as our guest. And for those of you that are not familiar with Priya, she wrote a book in 2018 called, called The Art of Gathering, which has literally changed my life the one big takeaway i think that her book gave me is just really have purpose and like really think about what the meaning is of your of your gathering what you want people to walk away with what's the feeling you want them to walk away with and then be ruthless in executing on that and also be ruthless in excluding who shouldn't be there because they might not help that purpose like it has changed how i look at any kind of gathering ever being a meeting a birthday party a dinner And she, of course, is deep diving right now into what this time means for gatherings. Like, how can we meaningfully gather digitally? Because what we need right now is a reframe of, yes, we can grieve what we lost. But at the same time, there's such beauty and opportunity in this moment as well, because it's catapulting us basically 10 years ahead so she was just a beautiful reframe and just helping us see the opportunity. And, and the, the for, for example, there's ways of interacting on, on Zoom that open up new, um, almost new ways of communicating. And she was talking about this company that sort of created a system where <clears throat> you could change the color of your Zoom background, the virtual background, to underline what somebody's saying and if you agree or don't agree or how you feel, which I thought was beautiful, right? Wow. And just having someone like her on that um, just really helped me see the opportunity and sort of choose choose love over fear in the moment like this was really helpful, especially being in New York where, you know, things, things were rough. There still are. Yeah.
0: Can you, I'm, I'm curious how the business side of that works, because it's a free event. Mm-hmm. It's free, it's volunteer. How does that, how does that work as a business? Can you describe what that looks like?
1: It was important to me that it was free. And just like this barrier of paying, like to me, there was something there that just took the innocence away. So I just kept running it for a few months in New York. And people kept like studios invited me to host it at their studio and they will pay for coffee. And I just knew the value of like-minded people in a room and how much that energizes people. And I always said, if this is meant to be, I will find a way to pay for these events. And then Ben Chestnut of, of MailChimp emailed me four months in. And basically sent me an email saying, hey, I I love what you're doing with these Creative Mornings events. Can we support you? And I literally didn't know what to do with that. And I wrote back, I don't know. Do you want to pay for breakfast? (laughs) (laughs) And 11 years later, 12 years later, uh, you know, MailChimp is still supporting us. And I realized that there is value for companies that cater to the creative community. Uh, in in supporting this because it's so genuinely generous and grassroots and it feels so good and if you're catering to the community and you can say hey our community with their marketing budget is helping to put this event on there's so much good juju attached to that and so over the years I just basically learned how to create partnership packages uh, that light a brand awareness fire under you know a company's butt with our community and uh and we have like global partners that want to reach our community and support our community and care about the community meeting up and so we've with uh, three four global partners we we make it happen
0: was that a conscious decision to call them partners instead of sponsors or advertisers
1: yes absolutely because i mean we're so not a typical We're so not a typical sponsorship, but we're HQ in New York with 10 people. That's my team that helps run the organization at large and helps grow the community around the world. And then we have three to five new cities pop up. These are individuals that want to run a chapter in their city that are jumping through insane hoops to have that title to be the Creative Mornings host. And so once we figure out that they're the right person, they have the the motivation, they have the team it takes, And we give them what I call the the key to the Porsche, which is our custom built backend with the ticketing system and everything they need and the handbook. And then we basically uh, make them go through what I call a leadership boot camp Because they have to learn how to run a volunteer organization in their city to put on these events, to raise money for a breakfast. And we kind of at HQ help them through that. And there's no money flowing from HQ to them or from them to us. So when a chapter does really well, uh, funny enough, a lot of Canadian chapters are just killing it because apparently Canada is really generous and supports this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How did Tatley start and what was kind of the idea at, at the onset of that business?
1: Yeah, so I have a personal rule that I live by, uh, which is basically if I catch myself repeatedly complaining about something, I have two options. Either do something about it or let it go. Um, and in 2011, my daughter came home from a birthday party and yet again asked me to put these hideous temporary tattoos on her that, you know, were in a goodie bag. And I just had it. I mean, they were poorly designed. They were really poor quality. And I, that, and I noticed, like, I'm, I'm complaining again. I just have really zero tolerance for complaining. It's just it's such a waste of energy. And then I sat down at the time I ran my own design studio And, you know, creating a website is easy. I've been running my blog, uh, celebrating other people's art and illustrators for years. I was like, wait a second, why don't I put these things together and just for kicks, create a really cool, fun website with a few fun designs. So I researched what it takes to make temporary tattoos. I reached out to my artist friends and sure enough, they all responded within minutes. Oh, this is cool. Creating art for skin. Yeah. So and then two months later, I literally more as a joke than anything else i launched tatley.com I, I've always started everything as sort of a labor of love and just because I wanted it to exist in the world and never really with like a business plan more just like this is fun I'm like I'm a real like I follow the fun I follow the the joy and the stuff that makes me happy but I also believe that when there's when there's doors opening when when things just kind of come to you that's also a sign of the universe that maybe you should you know you should maybe spend a little bit more time on that so then I' slowly but surely just you know hire people and we bootstrapped Tatley into a 10 people company shipping tattoos around the world over the last nine years and you know and weirdly like basically shaping an entire new industry like there was no high-end temporary tattoo market and then sure enough like everyone started copying me and I was like oh wait this is interesting and so nine years later here we are and and you know interestingly enough I've been sort of realizing last year that <clears throat> I really know what my superpowers are. I really know what I'm good at. And that's creating a brand and creating something that feels really good and really high end and is really authentic and joyful. And I've done all of that, but what I'm not good at, and I just don't enjoy it is, you know, I don't really, I, I, I like building the machine. I like to see how the machine works, but then I don't really care how much the machine outputs. So <laughs> I've never really cared about moving the sales dial up. Uh, which, which, to be honest, like, I mean, the last eight weeks have been giving me a lot of time to sort of, you know, think about how I do things and what I want to do. And uh, so I've, you know, I've, I've realized that it might be, you know, Tatly really should be in better hands and hands that or partner with someone who really cares about scaling a business, which is really not something I, I care about, to be honest.
0: I think that, and I don't know why more people don't talk about it, or maybe they do, and I'm just not aware, but there does seem to be, because I've been in the startup world for more than 20 years now it seems like there's a different a very different skill set and a very different personality type for people who can start a business and make it successful in the beginning Mm -hmm. and then another very separate bucket of people who are very good at taking that and running it for a a long period of Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of us um, who I guess identify as creative Maybe feel bad about, and I, I, I'm saying this from my own personal experience. I feel bad when I don't want to run something I made.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm right there with you.
0: <laughs> how have you kind of? How have <laughs> this hundred percent for me? How have you come to terms with that?
1: Uh, well, to be honest, it's been, it's been my personal journey and personal mountain to climb over the last three years to actually admit that I don't think I should be running Tatley anymore. Like it took me about till a year and a half ago to even say these words without like crumbling, um, because I just you know I love the things I build. I love my teams. The, the, there's there's so much of me ingrained in, the, in these businesses. There's so much of i pour so much love into what i built that it's hard for me to then say i actually don't want to run this anymore it's like it's like rejecting a part of yourself (laughs) which is very nuanced and weird and so last year i actually really came to terms and i actually started putting feelers out to find uh, someone to partner with and the past eight weeks and again i this is really what i think is happening with this pandemic and granted what i'm saying comes from a place of privilege i'm not going hungry I still have an income. What I'm saying, like please take this with a grain of salt, and I, I I I see my privilege here, but it has accelerated decisions that I have not been taking because I was scared of it or just, you know, kind of avoiding. And and I actually again think that's that's a really beautiful outcome of where we are right now. This this moment of reflection. I mean, we I guess we all have been giving a lot of time to think. And uh, just me saying, like, I want to find someone who can honor Tatly and scale it, you know, because it could be a really big business um, to me just makes me like there was such a relief uh, that I sort of experienced when I finally said that and, and became more public with it because I never talked about it before.
0: I think we dismiss the weight that not making a decision has on our psyche, mm-hmm. where it can really affect us.
1: I actually I have an example for you for something that I feel like we grown-ups could learn from. My daughter, who's now fourteen, had like a phase of four years of being really into slime. Slime is a thing, you're making slime. <laughs> she sold slime. I helped, helped her make a website with slime. I mean, my friends all knew. I mean, she was teaching it, she was in it, like deep in it for four years. And then one day I look at her Instagram and there was a black image and it said, I'm done with it, I'm done with slime. It was great while it lasted. Bye. And then, <laughs> and then I looked at her. I was like, "Are you gonna regret this? Are you, you know, like this is really cool that you're so?" And she goes like, "Nope." And she moved on. And I had so many grown up friends of mine that follow her. We talked about how liberating of a move is that that you can just stop and move on. Because that's actually what I've been battling. I've not been able just to say like, "I'm done."
0: I feel like that's my that's my. If I have a superpower, it's quitting. <laughs>
1: Wow, you need to teach me then, Paul.
0: (laughs) I guess maybe it is in knowing when to quit or walk away from something, because it is difficult. I I can't can't push that aside, that it is very difficult. But I think we get into this, yeah, maybe it is a grown-up thing. Maybe we need to learn from kids on this, because I think we get into this, especially when we do creative work, I think we start to define ourselves by our work, and Mm -hmm. that can be... Okay, I guess in in some regards, but if we outgrow it, then there's this feeling of like, who am I if I'm not this?
1: Wow, if I start something new now, I am probably going to think more about what it means to maintain it and to stop it. (laughs) which I've never done before. I've i have always like jumped off cliffs like, let's do this. <laughs> I will probably think twice now to start something new. I feel very lucky that in a moment like this where <clears throat> the world is really hurting, uh, I am leading a global organization that is so heart-driven and so generous and is really leading the way in what I call right now sort of the aligning of hearts. That I think that's what's happening to the globe right now is that I feel like this is a huge wake-up call for humanity at, at large that to for us to realize we're all in this together and that we're all one.
0: Why or how do you think that has a place in business? Because you, you've obviously been able to make this work. What if somebody felt, well, I don't think there's a play in this capitalist world or whatever. I don't think there's a place for, for heart in business. What would you say to that?
1: There's a quote by Jacqueline Novogratz in which she said, uh, what if we measure true success not by the amount of money you have, but by the amount of human energy you unlock, uh, the amount of human potential you enable. If that were a metric, our world would be a different place. And I just believe that wholeheartedly. Like, I am not here to maximize a spreadsheet. I'm really here to look back at one point and say, you know, I've, I've created teams that are loving and kind. If you make people feel heard and safe and and welcome and and they go home and they're better spouses and dads and moms and you know so i i, I truly believe as that companies can be a ve- vehicle for change in this world
0: so with all of that in mind i guess what's really important to you right now or or what are you focusing on
1: what i'm what i'm really trying to do is really defend the bright corners of the internet and the world <laughs> and and I, I, I just wish more people would really focus on that, like we all have to follow sort of the light right now and what makes us feel good gets us like into a little bit of a better place, you know, and, and, and I just really hope the world will come out of this and stay on that focus in some extent.
0: It's no secret that I've been a huge fan of Tina for years. There's a resilience that she possesses that's enviable. She sees obstacles, navigates them, and continues to create in an intelligent way, all while seeing the positive in everyone and every situation. The companies she's created over the last handful of years have showcased this wonderful joy she brings to her work, and I think that's why Creative Mornings and Tatley originally took off like rocket ships. What's surprising is that the online company that should have thrived isn't, and Creative Mornings, a previously in-person only company, is. It's just a good reminder as an entrepreneur to reconsider what you may have held on to too strongly. Is your business, after all you make the rules or change them if they don't suit you any longer. As business owners, there's so much here to take from how Tina thinks and operates. First, notice what we're routinely complaining about and use that as a source of inspiration for new business ideas. Second, notice if the business we're currently running is the one we want to keep running. Third, is that if something isn't working out, we can give ourselves permission to walk away. Black Instagram background messages are optional. None of these things are easy, of course, but when used with a bit of introspection, can lift huge weights from our psyches. And finally, work to build a job into something that you can find yourself laughing at on the regular. Too often entrepreneurs are told that we need to be cutthroat to succeed. Yet, Tina believes that companies can be positive vehicles to change the world, and she succeeds by using kindness and empathy towards others. If you want to attend a Creative Mornings, virtually right now and in person eventually, there may be one happening in your city, so visit creativemornings.com. And if you find yourself wanting to sport a stylish temporary tattoo or two, check out tatley.com. Call Paul is produced by Ruth Eddy and is a MailChimp original podcast. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform so you can hear more stories like this one from other small business owners. To learn more about my thoughts on business and living online, you can hop on my newsletter at sundaydispatches.com. Oh, and if you're a small business who's adapting and becoming more resilient, we want to hear from you. So send us an email. Call Paul at MailChimp.com.